Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Tight Beam. And what an episode we have tonight. We've got a lot of stuff to cover. Unfortunately, we are down one person. Lou is not joining us tonight. Connecticut got hit with some uh, some pretty bad thunderstorms. Well, a lot of the East Coast did. We did here, too. But uh, I can't say that uh, we had a tornado come through here, and, and he did. So he's been dealing with uh, some of the cleanup from that. So, Lou, we're going to be nice and give you the night off just because you're a swell guy. And we're just, we're nice. I, we're, we're I think co-host. that you're we better write this down. for it. We got better write this down. That's never going to happen again. I'm forgiving. Okay, Andrea, on the other hand, uh, will never forgive you. And Shannon, it could be undecided. <laughs> we don't know. You know, weather weather is avoidable and you should avoid it at all times so that we don't blame you for stuff because weather is your fault. Yeah, but see, it's hard to be upset with him about it, though, because he's also been helping other people. No, yes. Their I was being sarcastic. Situation up there. So, like, I really <laughs> want to, like, chew him out, but there, there's kind of the whole, you know him helping other people aspect of it. So then I feel bad. But anyway, you know what? We can we can make this episode work without him. It's okay. That's why we have four hosts on the show. So even when one is slacking, I mean, is uh, absent, we, we can still make it. He's so. slacking in a show sense, but he's not slacking in like work sense. So can we... I know. Can we actually say he's slacking? Because he's probably doing some heavy lifting. We can say anything we want. So yeah. He's I mean, it doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it true, but we can say it. They're all going to hear you say that. Oh, that's true. I'll they edit know. it out later. That's okay. All right. So we have some news to cover this episode. Oh, uh, by the way, so I'm Eric. That was Shannon and uh, Andrea is here as well. <laughs> Hi, Andrea. <laughs> We're just a hot mess. Hello. We, hello. we are. We, we've been kind of <laughs> knocked on our butts by the, the recent I, news. I've been emotionally distraught by this episode so yeah between the episode and uh the the cancellation Mm, the big news yeah Yeah. so here's what's going on if you don't already know the expanse has been canceled by sci-fi specifically sci-fi decided not to renew the expanse is the technical way of putting it and if you are curious as to why, because it seems like a silly thing to do. It's got, I mean, last I was told it had a 100% Rotten tomato score for season three. Uh, it's always had high critical reviews. It's had high um, audience reviews. It, you know, the numbers are good, but we'll get to the numbers in a minute. It seems like a silly thing to do to cancel it. So here's what's actually going on. Now, number one, everybody knows that The Expanse has an expensive production. Okay. And mm-hmm. that's great for us because it look, it's a great show. It looks expensive. And in fashion, that's important, just like on television. Exactly. Exactly. And it has been proven repeatedly that shows with high production values can be very successful. Look at Game of Thrones, Westworld, and, and several other shows. Yeah, that's HBO and they've got bigger budget, whatever. But even other networks and, and like sci-fi themselves, I don't think that it's so expensive that that alone would do it. The main reason it appears that sci-fi chose not to renew it is that sci-fi only had first-run linear rights. Now, what that means is they only got revenue from the broadcast. They did not get revenue from streaming from digital purchases through iTunes or Amazon video or things like that. 
And before you say, well, yeah, but sci-fi has got a streaming channel. I've got it on my iPhone or my Apple TV. Well, that that's true, but that authenticates through your cable provider, which means those still count toward the broadcast rights. So being that it's a science fiction show, and uh, science fiction audience generally have the highest demographic of cord cutters and streamers. The numbers that sci-fi was able to justify the budget for was not the true numbers overall for the show. And sci-fi decided it was no longer cost effective for them to run the show. And I can understand that if they weren't getting all of the money from all of the different distribution, I can see where they felt that might not have been what they want to continue doing. It really sucks, though. Uh, we do know that Alcon, who is the production company that makes The Expanse, they are shopping it around. And it would not surprise me if it gets picked up by especially another streaming network. Right? I mean, what do you guys think of this? Andrea, any thoughts? Um, well, obviously, we finished recording the episode last week. And as soon as we finished recording, right? it hit us. Like, like an hour later. I was laying in bed and immediately texted Andrea. I was literally about to turn my phone off when I saw it. Right. It was it was pretty upsetting. It, it was shocking. But you know what? Part of me saw it coming and, and it really sucks because this is not something that has it, it's not something new for sci fi to do. Um, yeah. And it, it sucks because a lot of people were really angry because of this change. And I mean, one of the two of the things that I want to say, actually, is like one, there was a lot of people getting really angry at the authors at the production people from the expanse and stuff like that. And I really want people to separate those two because that's very important. And, um, the other thing is that because of everything that has been happening, the showing of people supporting the show has been incredible on Reddit, on Twitter, yeah. on Facebook. It's been so amazing to see. And we really saw a huge move just last night's episode. And it was really nice to see everybody coming together because of how much the show means to a lot of us. They actually, uh, there's a, uh, a fan group that put together a banner to fly over yes. Amazon headquarters, <laughs> oh, insisting boy. that Amazon pick up the expanse. We're so extra. This fandom is so incredibly <laughs> extra. Yeah, this fandom is. took it to James Holden levels with that one. Oh, yeah. I literally was like, there you go. This sounds like, did someone speak to Steven? Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is too perfect. I mean, and it kind of worked. The show, uh, I, they just put the numbers up a couple hours ago. 50,000 viewers more than last week um, okay. for live. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting on the plus three and live was the goal. But for one week, for mm -hmm. not even one week, for a few days, that is yeah. a massive uptick just for a couple of days. Um, and 50,000 live. I mean, I don't I love the show and I don't watch it live because yeah. I don't know. I mean, even when I watch it live ish, it's delayed by like an hour or something right. I, because I like to fast forward through the commercials. So, well, that counts, though. Live in same live day. Plus three. No, that Doesn't counts it? the same day. Oh, OK. If you watch it within that same day, it's same day. So because right. that the numbers were live in same day. So okay. that was 50,000 more bodies, 50,000 more TVs. Whether they're Nielsen or not, whether they were like streamed on the website, what have you, 50,000 more views 
for a couple of days. That is incredible. Like at first I was a little upset because I was like, I thought we would get more, you know, and then I was like, hold on. This was a couple of days. Yeah. And it was trending on Twitter. There were like t- over, tw- there were like 26,000 tweets and Krypton on the West coast as of West coast airing was only 5,000. So like mm. Krypton's their, their new show. So right. we had like five times as many tweets by the same time a night. Now, this obviously it, isn't going to do anything to change sci-fi's mind because sci-fi is already no. done. But what this does is this demonstrates to other potential buyers, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, whoever else might be out there that could pick it up, that there is a, a very dedicated fan base out there. So. Kaz actually said that sci-fi said to him that they would reconsider if the numbers jump significantly. Do I trust that? No. Do I trust sci-fi? No. <laughs> but they Define said significantly, they, they told, though. That, well, that's, that's the thing. The I thing. don't know. They, but... they gave himself some wiggle room there. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that they did say they'd reconsider. So I don't want to, yeah. well, I don't trust them. I can't say they won't, they're not, they already dropped it because they told Cass and Cass already told the, he spoke with them and he spoke with Alcon. Right. He had this whole thing. And he said, like, apparently they would reconsider if by the end of the season, there was a change. If there was like an uptick, if there yeah. was proof that more people would watch. I don't know. Reconsider. So I'm going to spin this a little bit and explain why you think that might not be a good idea. That's fine. I mean, I'm not saying it's one or the other. I'm just telling you that's what happened. So listen, I mean, if it gets us more episodes, that's all we care about, right? I mean, I'll watch it on sci-fi. I'll watch it on the Disney channel. I'll watch it like wherever. Okay. (laughs) I just want the show. (laughs) But I kind of wonder if it might not be better for somebody else to pick it up for that. I agree with it you to go back to sci-fi because if they're not really getting a good deal on the revenue from the distribution, then we could be facing this again in season four. It might be better to just right. let it go somewhere else. I agree. I'm just, yeah, you know, but it's, I mean, just, hey, it's out it's, there. That's a good thing because any, anything that's hopeful at this point is something worth getting excited about. That's more what I hang on to is the hope rather than, Absolutely. Well, I don't think that's for me because people, there are people now who are like, we have to be positive. And it's like two days ago, you accused Alcon of lying. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be that person because that's right. not going to save our show. Attacking sci-fi like a lot of fans did, uh, accusing Alcon of lying about shopping the show around because of the normal striking of a set when a show is canceled or even ends a season. It happens. Yeah, that's a the normal timing. thing. The timing of all of this got a lot of people confused, too, because this was uh, basically a Friday when when the news really hit. It takes mm-hmm. a while for a show to get shopped around and for other students. Like, let's say Net- Netflix wants to consider it. If Netflix wasn't already keeping an eye on it and had already decided in advance, hey, if this becomes available, we're going to jump on it. If they hadn't already thought that, they've got to review the financials. They've got to get things signed off. It's not just like a a 10-minute process, number one. Number two, you had the weekend to go through. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too. Right. And everybody's looking at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which was Mm -hmm. picked up. I think a completely different 30, story too. 31 hours after it was canceled. Let me explain yeah. to you why, as Shannon just pointed out, that's a very different story. Um, Universal Studio, they produce the show. They actually make the show. They are, I, I don't think they're technically owned by NBC, but they're a sister studio. They're, they're somehow financially tied 
in They're owned by Comcast, which NBC. owns Sci-Fi as well. It. And Comcast yeah. also owns NBC. So what happened Hi, was... I live in Comcast City. I mean, Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so... NBC, one of the execs there even said, listen, I'm sorry that we gave it to Fox in the first place. I always wanted to somehow bring the show back here. So for them, it was a very quick and easy process because it was basically all in-house. Now, if NBC hadn't picked it up, anybody else who did pick up Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it would have taken them quite a while to get to. In fact, they might not have even gotten to it yet if it weren't NBC. NBC was in a unique position given that they are already affiliated with the, the production studio that makes the show. All right. So one other thing I wanted to point out too, it's common for fans of a show when it gets canceled. Oh, save the show. We're going to get it shopped around. We're going to, it's going to go somewhere because we care about it so much. Everybody else must as well. And a lot of times it's a pipe dream, but I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that the expanse actually does have a good chance of getting picked up. More so than any of the other 500,000 shows that got canceled in the last week. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is the week television died. Honestly, it was was described as a bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was was rough. Shows left and right, just the red wedding of television. And pilots that were like high profile pilots. Tremors. Tremors. Uh, let's see. Magnum P.I. did get picked up. Cagney and Lacey was dropped. Oh, the uh, Bad Boys spinoff with Jessica Alba and Gabrielle Union oh, was dropped. I'm LA's so sorry, finest. Andrea. <laughs> that, uh, that, that looked good. Dad! Anyway, no, so blessed. Bad point boys. is, yeah, the, the, the entire uh, television industry has been just kind of picked up and turned on. There's a, a higher percentage of freshman shows canceled this year than any other year. One of the networks, I think CBS maybe, had something like 54% of their freshman shows canceled. But don't worry, Big Bang Theory and NCIS are still going to be around next year. Well, yeah, of course. All five NCIS, sorry, I forgot. And and most importantly, TRL has been renewed by MTV. So don't worry. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. And Supernatural, Supernatural back next season, episodes or season 14. Yeah, but the spinoff got canceled. Oh, yeah, rip. That was so promising. So here's the point. Of of all of these different shows that got canceled, The Expanse has critical acclaim. It's got audience acclaim. It's got a dedicated following. It's got George R. R. Martin. It did have... (laughs) Okay, not quite. It, it it did have, the, if you look at the numbers overall, the numbers overall were good. It's just the only part that sci-fi was able to viably consider weren't good. But if you look at the entire package, it's they're good numbers. I am confident that this will get picked up somewhere. Now, I don't know about Netflix. I Netflix, so. I think, is already kind of budgeted themselves out for a lot of shows. But then on the flip side, they're also borrowing like, a, a, I don't know, another billion and a half or something in funding for new projects. But then Netflix also, I think, wants to put those toward things that they own the rights to more specifically. So it's with Netflix, it's kind of, uh, you know, 50-50, maybe, maybe not. But I think Amazon, Hulu, uh, those, mm. those could be uh, good picks. I don't know. I mean, we have this this petition, which just crossed, I think now we're at 102,000 signers for this petition. Oh, yeah. I checked it on my way home. It's huge. And it it's just been going up and up. 
And I know people think that, oh, it's just petition. Petitions never change anything. I have never seen a Save This Show petition that has been mm-hmm. going increasing in numbers this quickly because it was literally, it was um, under 80,000 last night or it was about 86,000 around. Yeah. It's, we're already at 102,000. I've never seen one go this quickly, like so many signatures so quickly or even be this high. That wasn't a political uh, um, petition. right. right. This is like insane. I've never seen anything like this. And this is one of those few situations where a petition actually is valuable. I mean, I remember for the last two Star Wars movies, we've been getting petitions to get Lucasfilm to fire people or to say that one of the most recent (laughs) Star Wars movies is being removed from canon and to reboot that movie or something. Those are ridiculous. That's just never going to happen. But a petition like this serves a very specific purpose. It is communication. It communicates to the studios that there actually is a following large enough to justify the studio putting the money into the show. That is exactly the purpose. It can be successful. This is one of the few cases a petition can be successful. So if you haven't already signed it, put it down and sign it. Go sign it. And please, if you're American, if you have sci-fi, please do your best to watch it live. Uh, plus three is fine. That's but we need those live numbers. There, that's what they're looking at. So, if you have sci-fi, if your friend has sci-fi, ask your friend to turn it on. I had three people turn it on. I was like, you don't even have to watch it. Just turn it on. Have your have grandparents people, turn it on before they yeah, go to bed and just let the I TV have run. People starting it now, so I can try and get them in at least for the finale and boost the finale numbers. Yeah. I, you know. Do your best to watch it live or even watch it the same day. If you can't watch it when you get home or if you can't watch it live, record it ahead of time. I have mine set to record from last season. I forgot to change that. So it records every time. So either my friend who works late, she'll watch it before midnight, before she, you know, gets a chance to get into bed and everything. It still counts same day. I use it to rewatch for my notes for this show so that it counts for the plus three, but it only works once. So I didn't do it today. I use the on-demand function, but same same thing. It's still within the three days. Use on-demand as much as you can. Watch it live. Watch it same day. We need those live numbers. We need to get them as high as possible by the end of the season to prove that we can get people to watch it as soon as it's up. That's and, what we and, need. And again, streaming through the Sci-Fi website or through um, your iPhone or Android app, I believe, does count toward those mm-hmm. same demographics because it authenticates through the cable subscription and so that does count for the same batch of revenue that sci-fi is concerned about. I also, um, I want to clarify, I was clarifying this on Twitter for people and for my friend, because um, I know a lot of people are asking, why do I have to verify that I have cable? Sci-fi is not a broadcast network, which is what something that everybody has because it's on a basic package. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi is a cable package, and most cable packages do not have it. You have to ask for it. I have it because I live at home. My dad cannot live without 10,000 channels so he can watch The Godfather or John Wayne whenever he wants. <laughs> so this is a running joke. Everyone's going to hear this on every show I'm on because I have to live like this. But anyway, <laughs> that's it's really important that you understand that that's why you... And it's also owned by Comcast, which is a cable company. I have it. I live in Philadelphia. But... It's it's if that ever confuses you, that's why it's not because they hate you. It's because 
you have to own that channel. You have to own that license. You cannot do it because if you don't own it, you're not paying for it. So you can't get into it. It's it's not because they hate you. It's because it's not a yeah. broadcast channel. If you don't have it, you cannot access it. it it's all, it, it comes down to licensing agreements and money and the business side of things. And it's really annoying, but it is exactly how it works. It's not just sci-fi. It, it's any one of the cable networks, whether it be AMC or Fox HBO, HBO. It's well, HBO does offer a separate. Yeah, they do. It's so those are a little. It's the same kind of. So HBO double dips because you can do it through through your cable provider, cable company, yeah. Or then separately, you can pay five ninety nine a month and get it separately. A lot of sci-fi, AMC, TBS, stuff like that. They don't also have that per, um, not per diem, uh, ad hoc system like HBO does and Showtime. So anyway, point is, watch it live. If you can't do that, watch it plus three. Sign the petition. Tell your friends about it. Let's do what we can to save the show. And this is one of those cases where it is is likely it'll get saved. Save the expanse. Let's move on, though. Uh, There's a little bit of other news that's not technically the expanse, but because it's uh, it's by James S.A. Corey. I, I kind of feel like it's worth mentioning. It was announced that they are coming out with a new series of books. They've been signed the same on. Same day as the cancellation, same by the way. Same day as the cancellation. <laughs> so it's like, hey, guys, get excited about this. And it's like, Orbit yeah. was literally uh, like, hey, we know you guys are sad, but we have new books by them coming. So we're sorry. But it's kind of tragic because we're like, we don't care about that. We care about, we just lost our show. Orbit only sells books. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there is going to be a new series now. They've signed for three books. We don't know that it's a trilogy per se. We just know that they have a contract for the first three books. And it is not going to be part of the Expanse universe, apparently. Um, Ty Frank says that whereas the Expanse is like Alien and The Star's My Destination, the new series is going to be more like Dune, Hyperion, and The Left Hand of Darkness. I've never heard of The Left Hand of Darkness. Spice. It's all. It's going to be about smuggling spice. spice. There's going to be a Kessel Run and uh, a Wookie, and I forget what else they said <gasps> about it. Um, a Cantina Band always in well, the background. Well, you have to have a Cantina Band. You know, I've got that recorded now. <laughs> Wrong I can show. mix that in with other music now, Shannon. See, <laughs> that's okay. She'll learn the hard way. No, you have to use the. Quotes I data mind for you. Uh, those don't play me mind singing. Tricks, Jedi mind <laughs> tricks don't work on me. Okay, so back to the expanse. We've got. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest here. I know I'm gonna get hate mail for this. I it's I was okay. not as into this episode as I was the last episode, and it's not because this episode was bad. It's just the last episode I thought was so good that I'm not all that surprised that this one didn't meet the, the excitement I had for last week. So just say you hated it. I didn't hate it. It just wasn't (laughs) my, my favorite remains last episode. It's very interesting because I had mixed feelings about this episode too. It wasn't the best. I mean, the very, like as it progressed, a, a, got better Mm -hmm. and it was so exciting but there were a lot of times where I think that I found myself comparing it a lot to the books 
And that's where the disconnect was for me. There was a lot of things I questioned. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Why would this character do certain things? Um, So that's where, unfortunately, my mind started going in terms of this episode. Mm -hmm. But overall, I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of emotional moments within the episode. Um, So I'm excited to talk about it and dissect it even further. It's always going to be hard for people who've read the books when they come across an episode like this because there's no way Mm -hmm. to avoid that moment where it kind of pulls you out for a minute and and you actually think about the fact that it's different, whether it's good or bad, isn't yeah. the point. The mm-hmm. fact that it's different, just it, it tugs away at you for just a moment. You, yes. you can't really get away from it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the way it was changed now that as Andrew was talking, um, I realized that one of the biggest change was we talked about, and I'm not really going to go a huge amount into it because book spoilers in the show, but when I think back to the scenes that got changed, they no longer feel, it feels like they almost weren't as necessary because of the way it ended up happening. And then the way it ended up ending, like just that arc just felt so, did we have to do that? Cause when I think about it, it feels almost like we didn't. And mm. so, you know, yeah, there, there are certain storylines where like, I kind of dropped off because I was like, I feel like it's not gonna because you can't do anything. It feels like it doesn't matter. And so I was paying more attention. I wanted to pay attention to that storyline, but at the same time I was like more interested in other storylines because it felt like they were going somewhere. Right. And it felt like they had a purpose. And like the one storyline felt like it didn't have as much purpose because of how it ended. So I, I agree. Yeah. It wasn't the strongest episode there are a lot of like m- most of the storylines stand out. I still think they were incredible. The performances were incredible. Oh yeah. Oh As my always. goodness. Yes. Yeah. It's just, you know, there, there were parts of it where I was just like, I'm half interested, but I'm, I wish I were more interested because it just feels like it's this, this storyline is, it just feels like it's directionless because right. it's not going to resolve this way. And it doesn't feel like it was meant to. And I get that, but but I think yeah. that for the people who haven't read the books, those, and again, we're not going to spoil the, the specifics of what we're talking about here, but I, I think that those types of scenes will probably pay off more for those people than for us, where we kind of know where it's going to end up. We know that it didn't contribute to this other thing, and therefore it could have been skipped, it could have been handled differently, something like that. Um, And I think there are are several moments in the series overall where that sort of thing happens. But I think that for the people who don't already know that much about the milestones that are being hit along the way, I think sometimes they need those things to play out. So I, I don't think it was a bad move for them to have set things up the way they did. But the, the fact remains that for the three of us, and unfortunately we don't know what Lou thinks about this tonight. We'll, we'll maybe catch up with him next week on it. It does remain. Something. Yeah. <laughs> it does remain for us a, a little bit of a situation where it's like, uh, okay, those parts aren't quite as compelling to us as, as some of the others, but you know, let's, let's break this down uh, by the different, uh, the different plots within this particular episode. Let's talk about IO and the assault team from the Rossi. Uh, Shannon, why don't you break this down for us a little bit and tell us what you thought of this? So last week, um, four of our heroes were <clears throat> on IO watching the uh, pods uh, fire. Um, and now we are under the impression that they are going to Mars. So um, I really liked, 
I really liked a lot of it. I wasn't sure how it was going to shake out, but like every time it started going in one direction, I was like, Ooh, I like this. Cause the wild card for me because of the changes was Holden. And I won't go into why, but I wasn't sure what Holden was going to be doing down here. <laughs> and I said to my friend before we watched <laughs> it, I was like, I mean, in the previews, Bob, Bobby's fighting the guy or the Katoa, Bobby's fighting the proto, mo- proto monster, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Prax and Amos are clearly going after Strickland. <laughs> what is Holden doing there? What is he going to do? But his storyline was super rewarding. And, you know, I laughed so hard at, well, can you stop it? No. Can you stop this part? No. Then shut up. Like I, <laughs> just, oh, and yet the yelling, the yelling was fun. Um, Prax and Amos's storyline was obviously the highlight of that whole yeah. arc yeah. Um, the whole, he's my best friend in the whole world. I was just like, sitting there like this is the best thing. I've, it's a male friendship is so special. <laughs> and then like May taking Amos's hand, just the hi, hi. Like I just, oh, everything about it. You're not that guy. I'm that guy. Oh my God. The whole thing. It was so just and Bobby fighting the proto monster was just chef kiss. I'm gonna say chef kiss a lot tonight, and you'll see why as I talk about everything. But like, <laughs> oh boy, because that was the platform. I don't know. I see. I've never kissed a chef, so I don't know what. No, it's I, a, is it? chef, chef's kiss. Yeah, when you, I, I get mwah. it. Yeah, I think she's just hungry. <laughs> no, I ate a coffee brownie ice cream sandwich before we started. I feel fine. Oh. Wow. But <laughs> the dinner of champions. Of course, I didn't eat anything. So I had real I dinner before this. I had the ice cream. Do not worry. I do not have dessert before dinner. You're making me hungry now. <laughs> this is horrible. But, but you know um, what? I, I got to say that that whole, that whole end thing there with, with Prax and Amos, uh, that was done perfectly. Mm. Oh, it was beautiful. That shot when, when you see the gun yeah. and you see the hand, you almost think that it's Prax's hand and it's not. And then just that shot was done beautifully. I was in awe. Yeah. It was just like, oh my God, Eris so is here. And, and, and that was just beautiful all throughout. And and you know why? Although it was really badass, the moment Amos delivers his line. I felt sadness yeah. for him. I, th- you can see the difference between these two men and, and you see just how much Amos doesn't want Prax to go down that path because throughout the whole entire time that they're going to save May, Prax has some things that are concerning. Right. It's like, when they shoot down the soldiers, he's like, well, it's kind of like they made their bed and now they, they have to lay first. in it. Like, whoa. Exactly. And, and those are things that are out of character for the pracs that we knew from season two. Because his main focus was just, I want my daughter. I want my daughter. There's no violence. I just want my daughter. And you just see that completely almost shift in him and that the fact that Amos can just pull him back it's so beautiful it's almost like the tables turn whereas before he was able somebody was able to control him now he's able to control somebody else and that's a really important part of just his growth and development so I thought that was just beautifully done see and and this is something that again without any book spoilers you see play out through the books as well especially especially as the books go on but 
I mean, Amos is, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trying to pretend to be one, but he's got this kind of, he's a bit of a sociopath. There's a bit of of Mm -hmm. sociopathy there where he, he's able to kill people and not really care about it. Like, it's just, it's what you have to do and you kill them and you move on. He's, he's very detached from that, but he's also aware of the fact that that's not supposed to be a healthy thing to do. He understands how he is, but he also understands that that's not how a normal person's supposed to be. So he's kind Mm -hmm. of been watching Prax all this time with the target practice on the ship. And that like, he gets that Prax is changing because the closer Prax gets to his daughter and the closer, like she's almost in his reach. Yeah. The whole thing about the no violence, that's going to go right out the window because he's almost got her now. He's so close and yeah. he's not going to let anything. He sees, he yeah. sees red. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I think that Amos is torn between not wanting Prax to go down that road, but also appreciating the concept of a parent doing anything for their kid. Cause with his yeah. background, he's seen the opposite of that. Mm. He grew up in a, this is, you know, a futuristic version of Baltimore, but you know, an area where it, there's a lot of crime and drugs and things like that. And, and, uh, parental skills are, are not something that are very common. So I think he has an appreciation for Prax wanting to go that extra mile, but he also kind of wants to keep Prax from going too far. And he lets Prax get right up to that line. But the thing that I love about how this show handles Amos and how Wes portrays him is that line. It's, I mean, the line is clever and it's cool and it's badass and all that kind of stuff. But I grew up in an era of Sylvester Stallone movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Bruce Willis movies, where it's all about that one liner. <laughs> and oh, yeah. this had depth to it. He just mm-hmm. calmly says, I am that guy. And he pulls the guy. It wasn't one. I am that guy. Like it wasn't overly dramatic and stuff. Matter it was just, fact, it's calm. It's sociopathic. Yeah. And he just says, I am that guy. And he pulls the gun it's up. Beautiful. And he fires. delivers. So <laughs> emotionless. I love Wes. And yeah, it, it was and it's amazing. exactly how he is supposed to portray Amos because Amos has that, that disconnect where it means something, yeah. but it doesn't mean something emotionally to him, but it, it, it's almost like it's a sense of duty and obligation. And, and so he, it matters to him in the sense that he's fulfilling it. And it's his version of doing the right thing, even though it's the wrong thing. He ain't going to think about yeah. it later. And, and, right. He, yeah. And you know what? Just thinking about it like that. Yeah. It, it was a good one liner. And I think everybody expected him to say that after he says, you're not right. that you guy. Everybody but, knew it was coming. But the thing is, is that just the delivery of yes. it, it wasn't cocky. It no. wasn't something that he was proud of. It was like you said, Eric, it was just matter of fact. That's just the way I am. It wasn't, That's arrogant. The it wasn't him, you know, putting his yeah. chest out there and the peacock feathers and all that. It was just simply. Yeah. yeah you well, hurt a kid. I hurt you. I, That's I, it. He's not going to shoot what... you. I'm just so you know, I'm the guy who's shooting you. <laughs> bang. Like it, I'm the gunman. Right. <laughs> On a lighter note, though, I have to know what you guys thought of the the elevator. So I play a lot of Mass Effect. Yeah, I am so <laughs> I was I am so attached to the awkward elevator conversation. So as soon as I start talking, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good." And then 
first of all, what a relief to see Holden being funny for once this season. But <laughs> the deliveries of all of their lines on Do the elevator were... Yeah, Naomi just like, is is he okay? What? Yeah. But, and the whistling in the dark, I thought that was awesome because yeah, they're mm-hmm. nervous and it's funny to me that Naomi didn't pick up that he was just being weird because that's what he does when he's nervous. He's nervous. Right. And so it's like, he has this ridiculous, yeah, you know, I'm, I took I built a watermelon in a box and it was about this big. It's like a rectangle, <laughs> really. And it still tasted the same. The delivery of that little speech from Stephen was very funny because his face just like, mm, I don't know, tastes the same. It was watermelon. And I just, everybody like pracks like, like a plant. Like it was just, <laughs> it reminded me of Mass Effect for the weird elevator conversations when you're stuck on a slow elevator. But it was yeah. just so funny and weird and all of the deliveries were just perfect i was i didn't make me and the my mass friend were laughing so hard i mean that's so perfect it is so that's mass the effect. first thing i thought of it is so a mass lot effect. of the times when i watch the show and the scenery it brings me back to that game i love yeah. and and i love that i love that experience so just gonna think about square watermelons for, sorry <laughs> rectangle rectangle watermelons there, there's right. a way the in rest- which the, this is kind of a metaphor for the the series you know it's in a you you put you grow a watermelon in a box and it's only able to get to be as big as the box but it completely fills every inch of that box dang holden ain't weird he's just deep he's just deep he's just meta <laughs> He's just right? so much. I just, I really loved that it. it was like multiple, almost like multiple callbacks. It was a callback to hypoxia, which hasn't really come up since season one yep. when uh, Alex started singing to himself. Mm-hmm. Oak or uh, Clementine, he was like singing to himself. Now we have Holden just watermelons. So he's like, what the hell is yeah. he on? Like it was just the whole thing top to bottom, and then having a Vosterall explain like they're nervous, and it's like. Oh man, but Naomi's whole thing is being like, yo, ignore him. Right. Ignore my weird boyfriend. He's <laughs> he's having a moment. I get that from women a lot. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> it's, yeah. It was just it was a very funny moment. It was like a nice light moment before everything started. Right. And, you know, it, we were laughing about it. I, you know, I was thinking about Mass Effect, but like me and my friend were just sitting here cracking up. Like, was he talking about watermelons? We missed it because we had a baby <laughs> screaming near us. Cute, cutest young, young man. But we missed a lot of it. All we heard was like watermelon. We're like, what? Wait a minute. Why? Holden talking about <laughs> watermelon? Is that the name of a ship what? or something? What I miss? It was That's so watermelon. <laughs> it was just very funny. I wanted to get your thoughts on it, guys, because I don't, I, I know Andrea played Mass Effect. I knew she'd go see where I was going with that. It's it just very said, funny. Elevator scene. Like he didn't even have Slow to say elevator. Mass Effect. I'm just like, wait a minute. Yeah, it wasn't an elevator. That's kind of Mass Effect. I get it now. <laughs> that slow <laughs> elevator. I never, I, I'm scarred for life because of that damn elevator. <laughs> also, I wanted to, when I was rewatching, I noticed if you look in Katoa's eyeballs, Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, when Strickland goes to set him loose on on the Martians, on the Rossi crew, you can see something coming together that looks a little like the thing from the end of the episode, like as if he's seeing it on Venus. And I was like, whoa. Hmm. I didn't know if you guys caught that. I caught the second time because I, I paused it right before. 
It's so cool, guys. Please go back and see it. It's just cool. those tiny details are the things that why it you Rewards just can't re-watching. Help but love the tiny subtleties in this show. Mm. See, I just don't and gaze into people's eyes that much. I guess. I, I, well, Eric, maybe you should start doing that. Yeah, <laughs> maybe then women would stop apologizing for their crazy oh boyfriend. Oh my god! Oh my goodness! Katoa, yeah. it looks like an old man now. Did you like? I saw that. I was like, oh boy. Puberty did not go well for him. <laughs> oh I still, I'm I'm not going to lie. I still feel a little bit awkward with how the proto-molecule man looks, the, how Prody looks. Don't, I just... talk, don't talk about Elias like that. He's going to find out. <laughs> Elias. It's okay. Elias Tufaxis, uh, who played Kenzo in season one, he yeah. does all the motion capture. I know, but for the you, proto, yeah. you're not supposed to name the the monster before you kill it's like if, you, if you've i'm not talking about the monster farm. i'm talking about elias we kill him and bring no, him back we don't every actually season kill elias, just the character he he plays there's oh this is a disclaimer sure? if we want to continue killing elias please save the, the expanse, expanse. please elias. save the expanse this is the third season where we do kill him we want to kill him more he wants elias to die more please this, save our show so we, so oh, he I think can he live that. his dream of dying more on the expanse well let, let's like talk a, a little bit <laughs> about that whole battle between uh, Prody, as as you like to call him, <laughs> Prody, and uh, Bobby. So, I mean, if you want to talk, what, what were you saying about how he looks? Is it just kind of what's bothered you all along about it, or seeing him more up close and more involved? Like we, he got more screen time here oh, yeah. than he normally does. <laughs> so, maybe, was that the issue? I, I think it's just the way I pictured it. I still feel like it looks very rough, the way that the proto-molecule individual looks. Um, I, I feel like I've always just pictured it differently, so okay. I, it's not being adapted in the way that I envisioned it. I mean, it's still a fantastic scene. I wish we could have gotten a little bit more of a battle between Bobby and Prody because that's just something I've been looking forward to, and yeah. that's something that we didn't get in Season 2. I'm not going to go too much into detail about that because it's just books territory and stuff um and it was really nice that while they were shooting that scene outside of the facility it brought me back to when they were doing some um scouting for the places to film and it was really nice to see a place that they were doing scouting for in the show so i I thought it was really awesome to see that that's cool i you know regarding that battle i have to say i do like uh, the fact that Bobby, I mean, she basically got her butt kicked. She survived oh, yeah. almost more out of luck than anything else. She really bit off more than she could chew. And sometimes when you've got these gung-ho characters, you need to let them go through that sort of moment to realize, oh, yeah, all those people telling me, hold on a minute, this is more than you can handle, probably should have listened to them because they were completely correct. But the thing is, is that I never saw it that way. She lost her her group. She right. didn't care whether she died or not. This there was, was that just... line from Vassarala. Yeah. Right, right. But so still... I agree with you, Andrea. I, I do understand what, what yeah, you're saying. She was saying, definitely and willing com- to die. You're, you're right. That That's... Yes. Absolutely. But I think that at some point it crossed her mind. Oh, S H I T. Yeah. There, there was <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. an oops moment there. Oops. Yeah. yeah. 
But that's good, though. I, I think that it added a level of intensity to the battle where it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of TV I watch now. Um, and I hate to say this, but the Arrowverse for me is really getting to this point. I've seen so many seasons of so many different shows in the Arrowverse. When there's a fight scene on, they have some of the best choreography for fight scenes I've seen on a lot of television shows. But now that I've seen it over and over and over again for so many seasons, that's when I, I, you know, get my phone out. I check the discord server, you know, do I have any messages? <laughs> and when I hear that the fight scene's done, then I go back to the, the show. Cause that's, what's actually going on is the story in this. It was a lot more interesting to watch the battle because Bobby's really going to die. I mean, yeah. at the end, she doesn't have a chance. It, it's, pure luck. It's the fact that, and it kind of took me a second viewing to figure out what's going on. Prody realizes that there's no more energy in her suit and gets distracted by energy from somewhere else. And that's what gives her mm -hmm. a chance to, to shoot him in the head. I was like, why is he stopping? Is he like giving her a chance to kill him or something? What, what, what's going on here? It didn't click that, you know, because they feed on energy and her energy has been completely depleted. She's no longer a food source. And of course, now it's like, well, duh. But it took me the second viewing to really catch that. But I, I have a better appreciation at the end of that battle than I did going into it because I'm like, oh, okay, you know, the alien versus the big mech suit. We've seen it a billion times before, you know, let's move along. But it was really good. So why don't we move on to the Agatha King? Andrea, why don't you uh, bring us up to speed on this this plot element of <laughs> this episode. Um, <laughs> She's in mourning, oh, guys. I, yeah, I am. She's in mourning. As soon as last, last episode aired, I, I kind of saw what was going to happen, and I was in denial. And then when they were like, previously on The Expanse, I was like, no. Right, because <laughs> no. as soon as they focus on that, you know that that's, you're yes, going to have to resolve um, it. Yeah. The whole entire Agatha King story was huge change from the books. Yeah. And again, we've established that we're not really going to touch too much on the books right now. Um, we want to primarily expansion focus of the books, really. I yes. mean, there's much more of it in the TV series. Yes, definitely. And I think that the way that they did it was pretty good. Um, I, I really enjoyed how much more depth we were able to go in terms of the Agatha King and see a little bit more of that. Um, it was really interesting to see the role that Cotier was able to have and just how emotional it was to lose that character. I feel like yeah. Nick Terabay did a fantastic job with the character because he was, he wasn't at the forefront. He was, he wasn't the Rossi crew member or something like that, but he actually made an emotional connection with the audience. And it was really nice to see that. Um, and it was really interesting to see the Agatha King just completely dismantled. Um, and one of the things that um, I was really thinking about because I'm so interested in, in just the way that the proto molecule works is that the Agatha King was the final piece of the puzzle for the work to work. Um, and it's really interesting that as soon as the, um, the hybrid hits the Agatha King, that's when we start seeing a little bit more of everything that's happening in Venus and what's happening on um, IO start to come alive and develop. So 
as we all know, proto molecule is all about adaptation, learning, and, and almost like that evolution aspect of it. It's like a virus. Mm-hmm. It just infects, controls, learns, moves on. And it was really nice that within the Agatha King, we started to see the proto molecule not deconstruct the ship itself, but go deeper into everything that makes the ship run. We saw it in, in the walls. We saw it in the pipes. We saw it in a lot of ways, making or understanding how to elevate whatever is on, in Venus. And that was really nice to see. Yeah. Um, and It was less about the um, pieces that it was learning yeah. and more about the systems. Yes, it was, it was more about the system. And it's almost like when we start seeing Katoa look at the nervous system of a human, we already know about that. And we made that connection with Julie, but now it's deconstructing the human itself. And that's what Katoa does. Um, so it's really nice for us to see the human aspect of the deconstruction and also the ship. And this was the final moment of it. Um, and it was really interesting to see um, that Alex is the one that steps up to go to the Agatha King. I thought that was really an interesting move. Um, I didn't expect it from him. Um, and I really liked the way that they handled him being there, being confronted with the possibility that Mars was going to get hit by the proto molecule. Um, so I really enjoyed just looking at the ending of the Agatha King. That was, that was some big stuff. I mean, especially, as you said, we didn't really get much of the Agatha King in the book, and we've had it for several episodes now in some pretty monumentous moments and events, and and for it to be over with now, basically. Yeah. Shannon, any thoughts on, on the Agatha King? I have a lot of mixed feelings. Uh, how it went down in the book was very important to me, um, and I'll go into that eventually, but... Uh, yeah, we will de- just to clarify for people, we are definitely going to come back later on and mm. do a, a more close reconstruction uh, or deconstruction rather of the book versus some of these particular episodes in, in the moments in the series. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so um, I liked the character, what happened with the characters when they came to the Agatha King. But that was one of the storylines where I felt about. Uh, sorry, no one could see that. I just feel like <laughs> eh, <laughs> about it. Like okay. I liked, I liked the character interactions. I liked the interaction with Win, um, between uh, how he tried to goad both of them and all right. that. Like, and I love that you know Alex wants to help Mars and Naomi wants to help him help Mars. But it was, I mean, it was it was fruitless. There was nothing they could do. So it was almost like. I get it, but you would have found this out by not going to the Agatha King as well. Because Holden was trying to get the codes as well. So I don't know. I mean, it might just be me because Holden literally said, hey, I'm going to go get the codes. I know it wasn't fast enough for Alex and that's why he wanted to go. But it was I don't know when it ended up being that they made the decision not even on the Agatha King and Kotiar blew it up before they could really do it, make a difference. It was like, eh. Um, I kind of wonder, like as you're talking it through here I'm, I'm thinking do you think that maybe it was they needed a way to because there has been so much on the agatha king over the past few episodes do you think it's just simply that they needed to close that up they needed to wrap up that thread I think so, so that people I think, aren't yeah. asking about it in the next episode when they don't go back yeah. to the well what happened to the agatha king where'd it go 
because yeah. it is, it, it's not really playing a part anymore. And you're absolutely correct. Like what it did didn't, you know, there were other ways that they could have accomplished yeah. that, and, that thing. Yeah. And I mean, the, the biggest point of that scene came on the Razorback. So it was like, yeah. When, when Naomi says, Hey guys, I'm going to run this by you and we're taking a vote. That was like, it just, I don't know. It just, it felt weird in retrospect because as I'm, I was, I was watching it, taking notes. That was one of the only storylines where I didn't pause it. So I could write things down. I just let it play. Hmm. And it just, cause it felt weird. It just, it's yeah. something about it just didn't feel right. And so I've been trying to focus on the things that I like. Like I really liked how the null G was done. I liked how all the bodies were standing <laughs> right. because yeah. their mag boots were attached, but they were in null G. That was so creepy, but like wonderful. And um, I just really loved that the visuals of Cotillard just like moving down the halls, move, like looking at all these bodies just standing seaweed. there. I mean, yeah, like seaweed. I mean, when <laughs> when they shot him, when Larson shot him, like, and he just stood there, I was just like, oh, null G is a mother yeah. and i really loved that shot of kotiar when we went to the agatha king where his, like the blood is just floating in front of him and he realizes yeah. he's just hovering there i mean that was all cool and honestly i just want to i mean rip he's a true hero and um the scene uh where he was basically saying goodbye to avastar albi he had no idea that she was listening and he was like sharon paul like you know i'm i've repaid my debt um, you're going to judge me, but I don't give a crap. I'm just going to do this. Like that was so emotional given that we knew why he was helping Avastral is because he felt like right. he owed Sharon Paul for saving his life. And mm -hmm. he's giving his life to save, basically save her by extension. Cause he knows she's alive. He doesn't know where she is. Right. He doesn't know she's right there. Um, that she can listen to him, but he, she can't call him back. So that was really heavy and it just really made me want to fight win with my fists. <laughs> Shannon, let me ask you a question. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kotiar, Kotiar is yet another character where I, the second so far in the series that stands out to me where you could have asked me about him in the book and I wouldn't have known who you were talking about. And here in the television mm -hmm. series, yeah. Like, I really like this guy. Like, he, I'm I'm really mm. getting into this character. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was not as prominent in the books, was he? I, I have a hard no. time remembering this particular book. This this was no. my least favorite book of the series, so I don't... Oh, I love Caliban's War. Um, I actually was listening to The Churn this morning on my way to work, too, and they talked about the yeah. same thing. They said he was mentioned maybe six times. He was... Um, okay, so it's not just me, of... then. He was... No, no, no. A... He was one of the escorts... Like one of the like UN escorts okay. who brought Avasarala to the Guanshin. Yes. And so he helped, like, he still had a little bit of banter with Bobby because, like, you know, he was just like, he he was really hard for her to read. And he always just was like, as you say. And she's always like, what does that mean? And <laughs> so he helped them take over the Guanshin, but you don't know what happened to him after because that that whole thing played out a little differently anyway. So, okay. you know, you don't know what, you know, we don't know what, I don't think we know what happened to him. I think he was still around when they left. I think they left him on the yeah. command deck. He's so, yeah. Somewhere. So he was a, a much minor character, but by making him a Vassarala spy, um, cause he's a popular, Nick Tarabay is a popular actor. 
Yes. Um, and he's, you know, really good. So they kind of, they said it was kind of a mix of them giving, you know, wanting more Cotillard because he served more of a role, but also because they like Nick Tarabay so much. Yeah. Um, but he does he such just, a good job with that character. He He's, killed, yeah. Yeah. He's so good. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's sad, but I'm going to treasure all the episodes we got with Cotillard because he was just amazing. And Nick yeah. Tarabay Crash is amazing. And I love him on Twitter. He's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> All right. Wow. We're at the hour point already. We should. I know. <laughs> well, part of it, you know, it's, it's not our fault. No, if we Sci-Fi had a lot of news to talk show, about. We wouldn't have had to spend 20 minutes talking about it. We, have, we wouldn't have to explain cable subscriptions. Okay. Right. Oh, you know what, what we completely glossed over. We didn't talk about the future of this podcast. We'll get to that. We'll, at the we'll end. come back to that. Yeah. Right. Save All it right. for the end. So earth, there wasn't much on earth on earth. Uh, on this one what shannon any uh i mean that wasn't a volunteer i just like the way you said earth, earth and i was like earth like earth. like big like you know see, in guardians we're, we're of the galaxy a, we do the show in a video call so we can see she got her arms off like the touchdown to like earth, touchdown. Yeah. earth. well because i was thinking about in the i think it was guardians of the galaxy where every time they changed locations it was like really it just bang really big across. right yeah okay yeah. um I yeah get it. so i only have a i only wrote a couple things down for this one because they kind of all tie together but i really wanted the one thing I wanted to bring up for Earth, because I spend a lot of time talking and I, I want to give it to other people who probably have more better thoughts than I do. I just want to talk about the light delay. The, we've kind, they've hinted at light delay in the show before, but this is the first time they straight up said to a character, no, you don't. Well, the second time, no, you don't know because it takes 40 minutes to find out anything because it's so far away. I, in the books, light delay is like such an impediment yeah. to characters and it you know it gets on holden's nerves it gets on avasarala's nerves in different storylines like light delay is such a frustrating thing to a lot of characters yeah. um whether it's because you're trying to find out if your girlfriend got a message from you and somebody else messaged you instead like oh she must be on station like you know or you just want to find out what's happening in a battle you know, a million clicks away, it takes time for that message to travel and how long it takes depends on how far you are from the point of origin of the message. Right. So it's because the battle is all the way out by Jupiter. Well, by Jupiter, that's, that's a, a bit of a stretch <laughs> because it's on a moon of Jupiter. It is so far away. That is the furthest outreaches of human, um, uh, colonies yeah yeah like that's the like humans go further than jupiter but the colonies do not go further than jupiter right and so the fact that that is the furthest outreach or outpost of humanity it's gonna take a long time to get a message so i really love that he was like i need to know now and they're like "Mm, sorry 40 minutes gonna be uh you're gonna have to wait like it was like like you're waiting for a pizza on a friday like it was so (laughs) I just love that they finally addressed it. And I'm just going to say Anna was great. Take it away. Somebody else. They've mentioned the light delay before, but it's always been very, very subtle uh, because it was arrows. Yeah. They throw it out there and they kind of gloss over it and move on. This was Mm -hmm. the first time where they kind of demonstrated what an annoyance it really is. Yeah, Because Holden and Avasarala had to deal with it on arrows. Right. Because she was, she messaged him like, Oh, whoever you are, please help us. It's like, well, you got James Holden, so you know he's going to help you. And then, you know, she has to wait about, I want to say it was like five to eight minutes 
maybe maybe a little more because he was coming towards Earth. Mm. So like they still had to wait for that, but they didn't really make it clear that like, yeah, this sucks because we don't find anything out. This was straight up like, yo, you got to wait almost an hour to know anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the tiniest way that we saw it was in season one when Avasarala is talking to her husband. Oh, right. yeah. That they when start getting frustrated and he's other? like, let me talk. <laughs> so it's it's just an interesting, we do get those subtleties. But yes, in this one, we were able to see a little they bit more of that impact. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I loved seeing Anna pull the big W in this episode. It was really nice for us to see her gain a little bit more of that control that she lost because Aaron wrong was always pulling some fast moves on her. And it was really nice that she was just sitting on the couch while he was just being matter. His pants were down at that moment. To be honest, does it matter? It was great. Oh my God. (laughs) I, I, it, to me, at first, she she kind of almost felt too uninvolved and too passive with her sitting on the couch off to the side. And I think it wasn't until Aaron Wright kind of turned to her and, you know, put his hand up to the. Yeah, I'm not talking to you over there. You're you're just a puppet. I'm talking to her. Oh, yeah. He directs everything mm-hmm. to her. It, it was almost more like. I, I was worried they were going to have her cut just kind of off to the side and not really be shown as the person who helped all this come about. But the fact that Aaron Wright recognized that this was her doing, that was where mm-hmm. the satisfaction came into me on her behalf. She wasn't standing up. She wasn't involving herself in this confrontation and being dramatic. Like you're going to get your just desserts or whatever. Like she wasn't throwing out one liners <laughs> and stuff. She was just, she sat quietly and patiently off to the side because she didn't need to be involved in this particular confrontation where he's getting arrested for treason. But he knew, he made it clear to her that he knew what was going on. And that was what made it satisfying was that, you know, he's going to get locked up with no doubt that it's, well, it's not because of her. It's because of his own actions, but she yeah. was the one that brought those actions she to light. She pulled the trigger by orchestrating things in such a way to to illuminate what he did. And the thing is, is that in the last episode, Aaron Wright was the puppet master. And in this one, Anna is the one that controls the strings and is able to pull them in every single way that she wants. For about a minute. It was great. It was a good Lovely it was minute. a good minute. <laughs> yeah. but it was, it was only minute. about a minute. I mean, what I didn't like about the Earth scenes, and it's okay because you know the rest of the episode was was important. They they balanced out the important things as they needed to uh, for pacing reasons and story reasons and such. But it was kind of like, you know, they confronted them. There were a few sentences. Okay, you're under arrest for treason. Take them away. It's like, wait a minute, that's it. After all of all of this mm-hmm. build up and stuff with Aaron Wright, it it's like. He gets a 60 second long scene and two guards come in and escort him out. Like it, I don't think it's this how is it the would end have really him, happened probably, <laughs> but it was kind of like, uh, I feel like this will be around squad. I think this isn't, this is one of the only storylines that they could round out in the next episode. Yeah. Everything else had to be rounded up tonight, but the, or yeah. last night, but that the end of that can be next week. And I haven't seen the sneak peek yet, but there is a sneak peek out. I know it's about a Vasarala. So 
there's probably going to be hints in that because that storyline is definitely still rounding out um, next week, I think, based on yeah. the fact that that's what it's about. All right. Well, let's move on to the closing montage. Oh, boy. There's so gonna, much to talk about about this. I'm not even going to throw anything in on this one. I got, I got nothing. You two take it away. Right. Do you want to go okay, first? Well, yes. Um, go for it. So I think that if this was a season finale, I would have been completely satisfied. This had the potential to just be the end of season three. And that yeah. I would have died happy. It was okay. Cause <laughs> there was a died lot. On that well, hill. Let's not die. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm already <laughs> dead because Cotier's dead. Okay. It's one thing to say, oh we can't be here because of some weather Suicide stuff, but we solidarity. don't want to write you out of this tight beam. <laughs> but yeah, um, this could have no, been a but, good finale. It could have. There was a lot of closure we got within this episode. Um, There, yes, there are still questions that are left up in the air, but it was an amazing, an amazing closure to this chapter of the the show. Um, There was the music, which for the the third time during the season, I it just gives me goosebumps, especially in this one, when we start seeing everything wrap up, it was amazing. And just the ending, how the intro music just changes a little bit because of everything that's happening in Venus. I just, I was in awe. Um, it was really funny because I'm looking at the show notes and Shannon and I made the (laughs) same conclusion that whatever is out, Appearing out of Venus looks like a jellyfish. It's, it's jellyfish. just, it's well, beautiful. Yeah, it kind of does. Somebody at a viewing party, my friend's viewing party, actually yelled, "It's a pimple!" When it was first coming out, <laughs> and I tweeted, "I tweeted back, can somebody pop it now, please?" I no, do not like no, it. No, and no, then, no, no, no. And then it was a jellyfish, and I have a thing against jellyfish because one got me once. So I would like to pop the jellyfish too. I'm done. Je- flying metal jellyfish. We're not friends. I don't know what you are. We are not friends. Andrew, take it I back. Am not I'm, not seen, wow. I'm not seeing whatever is coming out of Venus the same way again. I'm just going to be looking at jellyfish. a pimple now. And I never thought Shannon would get so worked up over jellyfish on a show about I have the a vendetta, I, okay? You would not have convinced me that that could have been possible. They got oh, me once. That was funny. <laughs> Never again. Um, well, you were kind of in its territory, I imagine. It's not like yeah. you know, I just went off to rinse my hands. Well, that's it. That's <laughs> it's, its home. It's your that's fault not your for not personal looking. sink, right? That's <laughs> no. The sand on my hands. The sand also lives at the beach, right? <laughs> if you hadn't been stealing the sand in the first place, there wouldn't have been anything to wash off of your hands. Where would I take the sand? Poor jellyfish. <laughs> Moving on, the closing montage of the okay. expanse. Okay. Um. So again, this is something that you guys don't get because you guys are not Canadian. But the f bombs being dropped in this show are so much fun. And that scene where Amos is feeding the kids, which is so like you don't expect it, and then he sees what's happening in Venus. Um, it was really nice. And then that intimate moment between Holden and Naomi, it's like, oh, they're together. They're, they're repairing everything. And although everybody was just so focused on Naomi's beautiful body and also Holden's beautiful body, um, he whispers something to her. And I think a lot of people missed it. And it's, 
that he says, you're not staying, are you? And she says, it's time. So there's that separation that Naomi, even though she cares about him, she's leaving. And, and that's very interesting to see and very emotional because again, it's, it's so subtle and people, a lot of people just didn't pay attention to everything that he was saying at that moment. Yeah, that's why you always watch with closed captioning turned on. Uh, that's the problem. <laughs> It didn't close caption his line where I live. So not only could we not hear it, we could not see it. And I was going to wait until I was going to wait until it was my turn to go to complain about it. But then you said closed captioning. I was like, mm, yeah. no, I'm, See, I'll say it I now. Think we're back I have to the a bone to pick. Because I have DirecTV and DirecTV. I think it was it. a mistake. It happens because sometimes there's also typos. Um, but they missed yeah. it. So, like, of course, we had a kid. We had a child with us. And, like, we knew he said something, but we had just missed it. And we never saw a caption for his line. Huh. So we found out later. Um, but everyone's like, oh, no one was listening to Holden. It's like, I couldn't hear him. And the caption was. <laughs> well, just be snooty. You were just more focused on his body, Shannon. Here. There was a nine-month-old talking to me. Andrea is not a nine. Never mind. Okay, so I know, anyway, I'm not a so I act like one sometimes, but I'm not uh, a nine-year-old. I really want to talk about the scene where Holden brings Mao to Avasarala because oh, yeah. it looked so much like the night victorious brings you know the villain or whoever to the queen and just forces him to kneel before her and they stared at each other and all i could think of you know she told me when you were a boy you wanted to be a knight and that's like oh yeah uh, i just like as soon as i saw it as soon as he pushed him down i was like oh my god this is like this is I, some I didn't pretty even catch that pretty deep it's cut beautiful. imagery i was it's thinking really like a mob beautiful. execution i wasn't thinking the whole medieval no. thing i was oh, no. totally he's getting in the wrong justice. direction there. he's he's facing justice she already told us what she wants to do to him in season two she wants to burn right. his family to the ground and make him watch and so the fact that holden just like marches him in there and makes him kneel mm -hmm. i was like this is very much like this is some medieval imagery here it's like the knight bringing him to face his justice and hold like Holden is a, all about justice. And I just, the imagery of it was, and the fact they just stared at each other afterwards, right? Like the looks they were giving each other, it just felt very much like, you know, and that is a great especially throwback. Yeah. To, especially because they're sorry. No, that, I was just going to say that's a, that's a great uh, catch with the throwback to Avasarala and the whole discussion about him wanting to be a knight when he was a mm -hmm. kid. I mean, that, it's perfect. Yeah. And I mean, oh, now I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Oh, they're, they're all earthers, you know? Right. And she's like the sec, she's basically the head honcho earther. And you have this guy who left earth because he was disillusioned by what his family was putting him through. And then he left the military. He got kicked out of the military because he was disillusioned with the military. And here he is bringing mm -hmm. earth's number one wanted man straight to the straight to the leader like like i said knight victorious he's like you know what i i no one thought much of me and here i am yeah look who i brought to you 
And yeah. especially because the way he was treating him, I, I real quick, I forgot my favorite, my other favorite part was when he was like, oh no, we weren't looking for you. We were looking for the kids. You're just a bonus. It's like, he knows right where to hit Mal. I'm yeah. important. And Hold's like, no, you're not. It's whatever. But that was so, that whole imagery was very good. And then again, I'll also talk about Holden and Naomi. That scene was gorgeous. And like I said, listen to the churn. And apparently Stephen and Dom fought to get them uh, undressed for that scene. Huh. Which I think what do you mean? very like they weren't originally going to be naked. Oh. Um, and when she talked about it and they talked about intimacy and um, vulnerability and they felt that it was better served being fully intimate because we don't get a lot of glimpses of that in that intimacy and the right. show never uses sex as intimacy. So they had, they wanted to kind of come up with something that was more intimate than how intimate they already were. And that's what it was. It was just this, they obviously had sex and then just like, well, had this beautiful that's the cuddle. thing too. It wasn't a sex scene. It was a post uh, coital scene. It was yeah. them after the fact. And I think that's yeah. probably what brought the emotional intimacy to it instead of just making it sexual. Right. Yes. And the other thing for me was I, I want, I, I make gifts and I was rewatching it to try and make gifts. And as I'm watching, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't be watching this. This is so intimate. It was very and intimate. Especially yes, because she was brushing her fingers under his chin when they were kissing in the very first close up, which I didn't notice until I was trying to make gifts. Like she's touching him the whole time. She keeps touching different parts of his face. Almost like she's like trying to memorize intruding. him. You're intruding yeah, on us. Yeah, you're intruding Jeez. on not just Eric. <laughs> you as well. I, hey, I had the decency to turn my head away when that came on screen. I don't but know what you're talking about. You weirdo. I'm just kidding. I'm just... <laughs> I seem to remember Andrea commenting on this when when we introduced this segment too. So I, you know, Andrea, you're not. Wait, out of wait, the wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no, enjoying people aesthetically is very different than enjoying people a little more than aesthetically. All of a sudden, I feel we should move on. I, I, I don't anyway, know. no, but, but essentially, well, let's like, go back to the jellyfish thing. So, what exactly were you doing at the beach? I wasn't jellyfish done, and I don't want to go back to the jellyfish. <laughs> so, like, yeah, she keeps touching his face almost like she's memorizing him because they don't look away from each other the whole scene either. So right. it's, it's just a very, like, I think they made the right choice. I think they fought for the right thing. And I'm glad it turned out the way it did because it was beautiful. And I also like that we didn't see Steven's ass. We saw somebody else's ass. That's interesting. <laughs> it's, well, inter you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I think that what's really cool about that scene too, is that level of intimacy. You're talking about her stroking under his chin and, and touching his face and things like that. It's, they're preparing for her to leave. Mm -hmm. He knows. And it, he knows once, she's leaving. Once he says that line, then it's like, oh, that's why they're looking at each other that way. Like there's a different way you look at someone when you know that the moment you're in is yeah. going to be a moment you're not going to have again for a really long time. Yeah. Because you want to to just kind of freeze time on on that moment. And yeah. that's kind of what it felt like. And it was like, wow, that's like super, super emotionally intimate there. That's so okay, that's fine. And then when he said that line, it's like, ah, that's that's why mm -hmm. they're they're at that that place. Yeah, I mean, so I sad. think 
I think there's still a lot of conversations that have to be had for them, but I really appreciate that they, because of this big change, because they're like, let's vote. We're all in this together, a hundred percent or not at all. And right. I think he really felt that not. And then, you know, he reveals that he knows, he knows she's leaving deep down. He knew. And so of course they wanted to have this moment like, Oh my God, we did it. And like, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't erase everything that happened, but also doesn't erase how much they love each other. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, what's most important here. Cause that's, that's how they're going to find their common ground. No matter how long in the future it is for them, that's how they're going to find their common ground because they love each other. And it's, it was just really, that was a really bittersweet scene because they reconciled and she's still leaving. And it's just, and oh it's, boy, uh, the fact that he could tell too was just, oh yeah. boy. Well, and it's yet another one of those scenes where they said so much in a short yeah. period of time. You yeah. had one sentence from him and one sentence from her that was only two words. Yeah. And they the, play and intimacy the very well. Yeah. And the way that They're was shot really and good. delivered, they said a lot in those few yeah. seconds. I mean, really, that was yeah. off the top of my head, what, 15, beauty. 20 seconds? Yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of the writing is that you yeah. don't have to say a lot to hold so much weight in the words yeah. that they, they push out. Yeah. You saw it with um, Naomi and Holden. You saw it with Amos. They really don't have to say it a, a lot to convey yeah. a lot of meaning and emotion. Um, and I really like the way that they're handling a lot of these situations. Yeah. Well, and it's a yeah. synergy, too, but between the writing and the directing and the acting. Yeah. You can't... Yeah. You can't have those moments without writing that is top notch. But if you have mm -hmm. top notch writing, you can't portray that writing on screen. You can't deliver it without yeah. directing that's top notch. And of course, the actors are top notch as well. So it's yeah. really this perfect symmetry of all of these different factors combined. And if any one of those weren't up to par with the others, mm -hmm. it just these scenes wouldn't work the way they do. Yep. I really appreciate that they won that fight. I think it works so well. Having yeah, and it's a type of fight that vulnerability. actors normally would go in the other direction. And, and so that really says something, too, about the actors understanding the characters. And, and understanding and really each other about and the each characters. other's characters. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, that, that's a, a big statement. So. All right. Well, <laughs> now that we're uh, running a little longer than usual, and we're, we're even down sad. a person, too. We should be shorter than usual, not the other way around. We have to do a lesson at the, the beginning feedback. of the episode. Andrea, why don't you uh, start it out here and then we'll let Shannon wrap it up. All right. So in terms of what everybody loved about this episode, we have Busty. She said, I've been watching and reading sci-fi for 20 years. This was a high point. It was a high watermark. No matter what happens, everything I read or watch will be judged against that one hour. Um, Ajna said, Amos being that guy, such a long time coming. I may have squeed with joy. I agree. I screamed so much during this episode. It was great. <laughs> Same. My dad thought we were hurt. Um, <laughs> he was like, oh, I guess you enjoyed your show. Yeah. Um, so Bianca said that her favorite moments were uh, Naomi and Jim's relationship starting to rekindle a little bit uh, until she leaves. Uh, Prax and, and Prax and May's reunion, which was a great juxtaposition, by the way. I forgot to mention that that was. That's that a was, good point. Yeah. Let me hug my child and then look <laughs> naked people. Bye -bye. Um, 
Hassan Scarborough said the scene with Prax and May with Prax telling her that Amos is his best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sweet Dean said there were many from Pax, Prax and May and Amos together to Bobby finally getting some peace for her unit to Holden and Naomi. But the elevator scene took my heart. It was light and heavy at the same time. Hashtag save the expanse. <laughs> you know, back to something Andrea said, this really would have worked well as a season finale because a lot of characters got a lot of closure. Yeah. And the audience got closure for a lot of things, too. So this was uh, as much as I said that last episode was a favorite of mine. I mean, this was an important episode. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm glad that this isn't the season finale because. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Same. So much. Especially now that this could the be jellyfish. the last season. Uh, all right. So uh, we didn't talk about this at the beginning of the episode. And as Shannon, as you said, we. We're now going to hold it off until the end. And this is the end. So I want to tell people what to expect from the type being going forward. Uh, first of all, regardless of whether the cancellation sticks or not, we are going to continue through the end of season three. After that, there's still a lot of stuff to talk about. We never talked about season one. We never talked about season two. There are going to be a total of nine books, several short stories, And uh, the final book comes out next year, 2019. I don't know whether we're still going to be around when book nine comes out. It would not surprise me if we are, but I will tell you, we are going to be around after the end of season three, because there's still more stuff to talk about. Not only the first two seasons, not only the books, but then comparing some of these scenes in the episodes to the scenes in the books. I mean, every episode, it seems like we keep kind of dancing around. Oh, well, they, they kind of did it differently in the book. And in the book, they, they went in this direction on the show. They went in that direction, but we can't talk about the direction from the books without spoiling the book. So we will come back and talk about the books. We do have a lot more to talk about. So the tight beam is not going away. The tight beam is going to stick around at least for a significant amount of time after the end of season three. So don't worry about that. You can continue recommending this podcast show to other fans of The Expanse and assure them that even after the end of season three in early July, the tight beam is going to continue far beyond that. So there you go. If anybody asks, that's our story. We're sticking to it. There's just too much to talk about to let it go to waste and and not get addressed. We'll still be broadcasting. We will still be broadcasting. We're as relentless as Holden. We'll still. Exactly. He be putting out really obnoxious example. broadcasts yeah. and you will deal with it. Exactly. Hopefully yeah. we won't start any wars over it like he did. I but, really hope not. Yeah. I can't take any more hate mail. No. Well, we've learned from his, <laughs> his mistakes. And we'll go with that. All right. Well, speaking of mail, hopefully not hate mail, hopefully constructive criticism or happy mail. We like happy mail. And and we've gotten quite a bit of happy mail, so that's good. You can send that to tightbeam at randomchatter.com. We love hearing from our audience. It's really important to us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at the tightbeam. Don't forget the the. R- at random chatter is for the overall network. I'm on Twitter at Eric Blythe. That's E-R-I-K-B-L-Y-T-H-E. Lou is on Twitter at Lou Skywalker without the E. Andrea, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Cats Bears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. And Shannon? 
You can find me at Shankbeezy literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. Even I'm, the beach with the jellyfish. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know this is going to be a thing. We have a thing. This is so awesome. So everybody on Twitter, please send Shannon pictures of jellyfish please and don't. gifts of jellyfish. No, don't. That, I'm, you. like, genuinely Bye. afraid of them. Please that would don't. Be, that'd be cruel. <laughs> please don't. don't. Don't do that to our Shannon. I, I'm, I'm genuinely afraid of them. I'm genuinely afraid of them. Please don't. All right. Well, here's what you can do online, though. You can head over to randomchatter.com and check out the other shows on the network. We have a lot of stuff there. If you like The Expanse, chances are you're going to like several of the other shows we have on the network as well. And by the time you're listening to this episode, we are probably finally up and live on Google Play and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and Blueberry. And uh, I've finally gotten up off of my butt and made all of those things happen. The overall (laughs) network has been on those for a while now. So uh, you can actually subscribe to a feed and get all of the network shows as well. We would love it if you would help support the show. Again, even though The Expanse might not be on TV anymore, there's still more Expanse content coming down the pipe. So we're going to be around for a while. Tell people. Tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a great way to help build a community here. Share us on social media. That's a big way to get the word out there. And then finally, leave reviews for us wherever you pick up the podcast. Uh, If you do subscribe to the network feed, if you don't mind going over and maybe just visiting the show's feed and leaving us a review there for just the show, that would help exposure to other people for uh, for this podcast series. And we would really appreciate that. Finally, we have a Discord server with a great community with lots of audience members there from the network, and we would love you to join that. If you go over to randomchatter.com slash Discord, you can join that. It's free. You might even already have a Discord account if you're a gamer or if you're in other communities that have Discord servers. It's easy to join ours. Randomchatter.com slash Discord. We have a main lobby room, and then we've got rooms for each of the podcast shows on the network. I think we've got about 14 uh, show-related rooms right now with some more coming because we're about to launch some new shows. But then we have a lot more on our Discord server beyond that. We've got like an additional 50 channels beyond that with a lot of uh, a lot of different conversations going on a lot of different topics those are for our patreon supporters but don't worry it's only a dollar a month to get access to all of those we wanted to make sure that anybody who helps support the network financially will get access to all of those so if you want more information about that head over to randomchatter.com slash patreon we really appreciate it that money doesn't go into our pockets it goes directly into supporting the costs of running the network Um, of which this show is a part, and we're very happy about that. We're happy to be bringing you guys the tight beam and and to get to talk about The Expanse. Finally, the music you hear in this episode is Ursula Minor by Cell Dweller and Asilius Ascent and Sounds. All trademarks are owned by their respective owners. Until next time, take care. Take care.